Hi, this is Pastor Danny Deeth, and I'm so excited that you have chosen to join us here at First Presbyterian Church for worship today. Know that the love, grace, mercy, and joy of Jesus Christ beckon you to join our church family as we seek to celebrate our journey with Christ in this service of worship. So we're glad you're here. Come on in. Today's first lesson is from Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart and recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today we are reading from the Gospel of Mark. Familiar words from chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. Easier said than done. Listen with fresh ears to the word of the Lord. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, the first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There are no other commands greater than these. Then the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is the one, and besides him there is no other. And to love him with all of the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. This is much more important than all of the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day for a beauty. Would a neighborly day for a beauty? Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I have always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you.
he did it much quicker. I know, I'm coming. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. We're all here together, so we might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? Hello, boys and girls. How many people grew up with Mr. Rogers? His neighborhood, a little bit later, Daniel Tiger in the animated form and version. Many of us did. We all know a little bit about Mr. Rogers. Um, grew up in the Pennsylvania area. Was a Presbyterian minister to went to Pittsburgh Presbyterian Seminary, which is still one of our denomination's uh, seminaries, but never served a church. His call was different. If you saw either the documentary in 18 or Tom Hanks's movie in 19, you'll know some of these pieces. He didn't set out to start and create a TV show, but what he saw, the only time I think Mr. Rogers says hate but he looked and he hated the programming for children. And so he decided he needed to step in and do something different for this, as he saw it, vulnerable population. That show ran for 33 years. Just about every accolade, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom, was bestowed upon him. And the question was always, is he really that guy? Is he as sappy and sweet in his real life as he is with the children? So many stories buzz around from the fact that he served in the military and, and was a, a Navy SEAL and a sniper. And the reason he wore the sweaters was to cover up all the tattoos. Never happened, never served in the military. Other things about how he really would be angry, offset, and scream, and make all kinds of gestures and things at people behind the camera, didn't happen. If you saw the documentary, and I did, I didn't see the Tom Hanks movie, but I saw the documentary. It had all the people that worked with him and knew him, and they had no problem cussing and saying the way things were, but they said he is the guy off screen, the same guy you see on screen. I would think he would talk a little bit faster, but who knows? And we want to knock him down some because it's hard for us to believe that somebody really is that kind, that compassionate, and reaches out to people the way that we are told that he did. So what do we do? We make up bad stuff about him because we don't think we can attain that same goal. 
But a few other things about Mr. Rogers you may or may not know. According to a TV Guide piece, yeah, I know, TV Guide, Fred Rogers drove a plain old Impala for years, even after success. One day, the car was stolen from the lot near the TV station. When Mr. Rogers filed a police report, the story was picked up by every newspaper, and within 48 hours, it was returned to the same spot with an apology on the dashboard and said, if we'd known it was yours, we never would have taken it. He was credited as saving both public television and the VCR. Strange but true, when the government wanted to cut public television funds in 1969, the relatively unknown Mr. Rogers went to Washington. Almost straight, um, I'm sorry, while the budget should have been cut, the funding instead jumped from $9 million to $22 million after Fred Rogers passionately testified about the role of children and how important it was, and went on to say, allowing people to VCR, which was to record television shows from home, which was a difficult debate at that time. Could you record right from the TV and not infringe all of those copyright rules? Mr. Rogers says yes. It would allow working parents to sit down with their children and watch shows as a family. He was an Ivy League dropout. Rogers uh, moved from Dartmouth to Rollins College to pursue his studies in music. He composed all the songs on the show, over 200 tunes. Several characters on the show were named for his family. The Sweaters. Every one of the cardigans he wore on the show was hand-knit by his mother. <laughs> but the most thing that I think we know about was his genuine curiosity about others, but it goes farther than that. But here's a story. Mr. Rogers was known as one of the toughest interviews because he'd often befriend reporters and start asking them questions and start to take their pictures and then would compile an album for them at the end of their time together and then would call them later to check in on them or hear about their families. For example, it wasn't just with reporters. On a fancy trip to a PBS executive's house, he heard the limo driver was going to wait outside for two hours. So he insisted the driver come in and join them which flustered the host. On the way back, Roger sat up front, and when he learned they were passing the driver's home on the way, he asked if they could stop to meet his family. According to the driver, it was one of the best nights of his life. The house lit up when Rogers arrived, and he played jazz, piano, and bantered with them late into the night. Just like with the reporters, Rogers sent him notes and kept in touch with the driver for the rest of his life. And those were the pieces that helped us to get to know Mr. Rogers in the way that we do, or at least what we think we do. What was Mr. Rogers concerned about? His neighborhood, his neighbors, and who or what are we supposed to do with those people? Well, in Mark's gospel for today, 
We're in the 12th chapter. Jesus has already entered into Jerusalem at the triumphal entry. He is near his betrayal, his crucifixion, his death and resurrection. So this is important as this is one of the last teaching moments Jesus has with his disciples and those who have gathered. And what do we have? The interaction with this scribe. And a scribe, just as you would think it sounds, is started out more as a teacher, would write things down because there was no copy machine, there was no internet, they couldn't just send things out and about, but the scribes were an official class that would write. And all the way through the Gospels, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all classes of Jewish hierarchy that looked at life a little bit differently but fought with Jesus all the way through, except for here. Here, Jesus and the scribe get along pretty well and they're sharing information with one another And it's an important interaction. One of the scribes came near, not trying to trap him, as we often hear or see. He sees that Jesus answered well, so he's in agreement with Jesus, again, for a change. What's the greatest commandment? Love God, love each other. Second, same as the first, love each other. Okay, we got that. And the scribe reinforces, you are right when you say, love God, love one another as yourself. This is much more important than all the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices, the scribe says. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's pretty high praise for a scribe. Now, this idea is simple, right? Just love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. Go, go. We know it's simple. We know it's at the core of our faith, and yet it remains two of the most difficult pieces that we ever deal with as Christians. If someone were to ask you, what does it mean to you to be a Christian in a nutshell? Even the word nutshell triggers often John 3, 16. You might think of our uh, sacraments, baptism and communion. Those two contain the foundation of our belief structure, which is why we continue to practice by doing them. But this is a pretty good one as well. Now, the Shema that uh, Chris read to you from Deuteronomy is something that our Jewish friends would start their worship with often. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength or your might. And Mark, when he gets there, adds mind, adds mind to it. That's good for us Presbyterians. We are good mind people. The heart in the day was the center of what our Jewish friend saw as the soul or the person. The soul we might understand to be more how a person was wired, kind of like personality, but deeper than that. Strength was all that we are mentally and physically to be able to give ourselves fully in that capacity. 
And of course, mind means you don't ever stop thinking. You continue to ask questions. You don't click off your brain when you come to church. You keep seeking. The last few weeks, we have introduced the theme of centering for our fall. Our Sunday school classes are woven into it. Our worship is woven. We had the potter here a few weeks ago that showed us what happens when a lump of clay is not centered. It gets all wobbly and you can't control it and you can't make it what you want it to be. It doesn't become that bowl, that vase, that mug without you centering it first. And in a similar way, unless we center ourselves in Christ, we cannot be who we are being crafted to be. Last week, we talked about Paul who was telling us that this is the time to seek to become mature Christians. How do we center ourselves in Christ? Last week, it was Paul saying, you don't stay where you are. Wherever you are on your journey is the right place, but we can't stay there. Because if we're not growing as individuals, then the church is not growing if we are all content and happy where we are. But to become mature Christians is to push ourselves in a variety of ways, both in the church and out of the church. And so today, to answer the question, how do we center ourselves on Christ today? It is to love God with all that we are and to love one another as yourself. Now, these are goals. You don't just do this overnight. But to give ourselves fully to God is something that I think is so foreign to us. But the more that we seek to give ourselves, the more that I believe we will be transformed, just like loving our neighbor as ourselves. We have become the hands and feet of Christ in the world until Christ comes again. He came to bring in the kingdom and that kingdom of here and right now we are stewards of that kingdom. And if we sit comfy and we don't push ourselves to be centered in Christ, to continue to grow, then we are not living up to what our calling is as individuals or as a church family. The church cannot grow until we as individuals are growing with Christ. And we know that people out there want to see us loving one another in Christ's name. There was a story about a Catholic priest who would often deliver meals to folks who needed it and went to this particular apartment complex for a family he knew was hungry and couldn't get paid anything or um, receive any help for another month. So we got several bags together of groceries, took them four flights up, knocked on the door, and the eight-year-old little boy answered. The priest had his collar on, and he said, Mommy, Mommy, come quick. Jesus is bringing us some food. And that's how the world sees it, when you and I do something in the world. It's not really about us. We benefit from that. Do you think that priest loved that moment? Do you think the priest was transformed by that moment? Of course he was, as we are. 
Anybody that's ever been on a mission trip knows that. We don't go to take Jesus to them. That is arrogant and wrong. We go to share our faith with others as they share their faith with us. I believe they help us far more than we help them with whatever we're taking or even working on wherever we go. We are transformed every time we help someone else in Christ's name. Now, can you really love someone else as you love yourself? That's hard. I know it. I love myself a lot. And I don't even know people out there. How can I love them as much? Well, to take us back to Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, what, what is God's neighborhood? What's God's neighborhood? The world, right. So it's not just someone that you see that lives next door that you wave to. It's not even people that you just help. Because the amazing thing about Mr. Rogers, as he said in that example where he made a friend of that limo driver and of reporters, he sees people for who they are. How many times in a day do we look over people because we're going places or doing things? It may not even be in negativity, but we see so many people and we forget that they have a story, they have a life, they have parents and children or siblings or bosses and are trying hopes and fears just like we do. And Mr. Rogers, one of his gifts was that he would not look over someone and that really was what his children's ministry was all about. He saw them as being unrepresented and people looking over them and decided that needed to change. So what we are being tasked to do, Vicki said it, to look at others with lenses of faith, with lenses of love, to see people for who they are, not look over them. And that's the cashier at the grocery store, that's the bank teller, that's the waitress or the waiter, all the people that we run into, that's very easy for us not to notice. But that also takes a little bit more intentionality. It also takes a little bit more work. But this is where our joy is. This is where our transformation is. The more that we seek to give ourselves to God, the more that we seek to go out of our way and be intentional and see people as valued brothers and sisters in Christ, the more we are transformed, the more we grow into mature Christians, the more we center ourselves in faith, and the more the world is transformed. This isn't, passage isn't so much about who is our neighbor, it's about how we be a neighbor to others. So today, when you go about your day, tomorrow, when you go about your day and moving forward, look at those people with eyes of faith, with eyes of love, with eyes of Christ, and yes, even with Mr. Rogers' eyes. He would not look over, he would not look around and engage them. So with courage, let us continue to grow and center ourselves in Christ as we seek to fully give ourselves to God and love our neighbors as ourselves. Hallelujah. Amen.